Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen. As you will know from the episode title, and as we talked about in the main episode, we're going to be talking about the strikes that are hitting Hollywood at the moment. Two strikes, the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Now, we are not industry insiders. We do not have our finger closely on the pulse, but... We've talked a lot about films that are upcoming in the slate, things that are coming down the line. And the fact is, these strikes will have a huge impact on the way films and television shows are released and produced for months to come. As they have done historically. As they have done historically. This isn't one of the first times, this isn't the first time that actors or writers have been on strike, but it is the first time that actors and writers have gone on strike together at the same time since 1960. We touched on this a little bit in the full episode where we said we were going to be covering this, but we were sort of... Very much aware that it was happening. Yeah. As people who do a film podcast, obviously we're aware of it, we're engaging with it, but we were a little bit apprehensive to like comment on it because yeah. everything's still evolving. But I feel like this week it was really kicked into a new gear when the actors all went on strike. Yes. The Oppenheimer premiere happened, mm. which is obviously it's, it's not about those actors, like those no. actors and those writers and directors are fine, but them taking the decision to turn up but then leave out solidarity. Yeah. And now everyone's talking about it. It's all over the news. We want to basically decide, not decide, but sort of understand why this yeah. is happening. And oh, yeah. What, what realistically the outcome of this will be on our content. Because we're thinking, and also thinking about it because of a, um, as, as a audience members. That's yeah, what we are. We're yeah. really just curious to know why the people that we love seeing on screen so much are, are going on strike. Um, because it's a really interesting issue. And interestingly, it's, uh, it's about the side of Hollywood you don't really hear about when it comes mm. to, when you say like Hollywood writer, yeah. you generally think of like people at the top of their field, but really like yeah. being a jobbing writer in Hollywood is a completely different. Oh, God, yeah. There's loads of people who are brought onto TV shows to do like the nitty gritty, yeah. get you from A to B to C of this TV show to get it done. And yeah. that pay structure has famously not been great for a long time. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's still unpack it a little so bit. So we're recording this on uh, Monday the 17th of July and it's it, it, important to say it's an ever-evolving situation. Yeah. And by the time you listen to this, things might have changed somewhat. However, this does look like it's going to be in for the long haul. So first of all, we had, this is all specific to America, of course, the, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, they went on a strike in at the beginning of May. Yeah. This is very much like the strike that happened in 2007, which we know affects a lot of things. Uh, American Office, actually Quantum of Quantum Solace. Solace. The reason they say that's so Lost, butchered is because... Ugly Betty. Exactly. Heroes. Went on, so the writers went on strike again. Now, obviously, that affects production, but the studios have a bank of time for shows that are already written and are already shooting that don't need writers anymore. So... If you're a writer and you've written the latest season of, I don't know, let's say The Rings of Power, but, you're, uh, but you decide to go on strike, well, Amazon will say, well, we're already shooting it. We don't need you there. Mm. Thanks very much. However, the, the essay, the SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild of America, SAG AFTRA for the American Film and Television Radio Association, I believe, um, have also now voted to go on strike. And like I said, it's not the first time actors have gone on strike. It's the first time they've gone on strike since 1980, but it's the first time that actors and writers have been on strike together since 90, the early 1960s when Marilyn Monroe was still in films wow. and Ronald Reagan was the president of the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah the right. president of, of the, the Screen, Screen Actors, Actors Guild. Guild. See how it changed, right? You've got to dip your toe in somewhere. So I've got an article from across the web. There's great sources in Variety, The Hollywood Reporter and The New York Times about this. But just I'm going to give you a basic paragraph just from an article by Matt Stevens in The New York Times, which says, Why the Actors and Writers Striking? 
He says, pay is often at the center of work stoppages, and that is the case here. But the rise of streaming and the challenges created by the pandemic have stressed the studios, many of which are facing financial challenges, as well as actors and writers who are seeking better pay and new protections in a rapidly changing workplace. And that last point point is particularly important. The rapidly changing workplace is specific to AI. Yeah. And in both fields of work, you have this encroachment of AI on, on, on this sector. With writers, it's obviously things like, you know, obviously we've heard news about chat, GBT, but software that can generate text and, and replace writers. And it's not just like, it's not about AI coughing out screenplay, it's all the other different kinds of small writing. That I yeah, told you, exactly. you, for a long time, a human being is the only yeah. person that can do that. But now, like, if, uh, loads of people listening yeah. will have tried chat GPT this year. Yes. You've been slightly scared and blown away and also like very like curious about what I can do to like shortcut my life <laughs> with it. But yeah, it's yeah. all of that busy work. And then with actors, there's already been cases where voice actors have lost work to AI-generated voices. And uh, the software is being used increasingly in films without proper pay and approval from actors. Um, the, the article goes on to say, both actors and writers have uh, demanded increased residual payments, which is the type of royalty from streaming services. Streaming series typically have fewer, far fewer episodes than television series did. And it used to be that if a television series was a hit, actors and writers could count on a long stream of regular residual checks. Repeat viewing, right? Streaming has changed the system in a way that they say has hurt both of them. Both groups also want aggressive guardrails around the use of artificial intelligence to preserve jobs. So that is the reason they're striking. Now, the interesting thing about when the actors voted to go on strike on July 14th is that that massively, to, the, to an audience's point of view, is even more visible because production, it's almost impossible for productions yeah. to continue without your actors. So there are, I know Gladiator 2 is filming at the moment, like, just has to shut down because you've lost your actors yeah. because they won't cross the picket line. And it's not just that. We actually have a list um, that... Uh, that basically this, that SAG sent out and lists all the things that performers or actors cannot do. And it says, um, blah, 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 lots of boilerplate stuff. And this says, all covered services and performing work under, under the TV theatrical contracts must be withheld, including, but not limited to, principal on-camera work, such as acting, singing, dancing, stunts, piloting on-camera aircraft, puppeteering, performance capture or motion capture work, you just imagine if they didn't put puppeteer in <laughs> all the films we just get. Puppeteers. <laughs> um, principal off-camera work, work, such as ADR looping. I bet AI is probably very big use yeah. in ADR. TV trailers and theatrical trailers, voice acting, singing, narration, uh, stunt coordination. And there's also stand-in work, body doubles, wardrobe tests, rehearsals, scanning, interviews and auditions, and also significantly promotion and publicity, no press tours, no personal wow. appearances, no interviews, no conventions, no fan expos, no festivals, no for your consideration things, so no panels, the studio, when right? premier, when, no premieres, no award shows, no junket. It's a complete jam of the entire industrial process of Hollywood and the, and the movie. Nothing, mo- there's nothing you could do on a camera. Nothing you can do. It was very interesting as well because these... This the strike was called about five hours after like the Emmy nominations came out. Congratulations to Phil Dunster on his Emmy yes. nomination. Yeah. Check out our episode. Check out our own episode with Phil Dunster from Ted Lasso. But good on Phil for getting nominated for an Emmy. Mm. Five five hours later, Emmy strikes. Talk. They won't be able to do the, the Emmys. Either won't go ahead, or they'll have no actors there, or they'll that be empty chaired or something. It's like oh, yeah. what a strange time. This also pres- presents a problem for. Um, 
I'm just thinking now in terms of how it's a headache for the industry. And you know, I, I think I think you know the, the, what the actors and the writers are striking about is like perfectly legitimate things. And actually, what they are striking about, in a way, is across many sectors across the world now. What people yeah. are striking about, which is the advance of AI and better and better working conditions, frankly, and fair pay in a world exactly. that's more expensive increasingly. Um, the headache it provides for the the the. Um, the industry, though, is that look, look what's coming up in the next six months. Typically, you have Comic-Con, huge event, huge expo for, for studios. Huge That's basically presence, everything. massively dwindled now. It's not just that actors won't be there to promote work or writers. It's also that directors then feel, and talent attached to it, feel very conflicted about promoting something that they know that their deep, close colleagues have worked hard on. And a lot of People, Christopher Nolan has come out and said he will not work on a new film. He will not write his new film whilst everyone is striking. Yeah, he's not a member of SAG, as far as I'm aware. But he, you know, um, and also like you think about big announcements that are made yeah. based on the assumption that a budget will be this much and writers and actors will be paid this amount yes. to do it. You all of a sudden are like, well, hang on, now that really uh, quirky thing I was thinking of doing on the cheap might not be so profitable. Yes. Maybe I won't announce it. Uh, You've got award season, typically, as we talked about last year, kicks off in September with the Venice Film Festival. Yeah. And after that, and all the film festivals that come after that, the strike could very easily run into that time period. And therefore, you get a, just a completely decimated and kind of different award experience. Imagine, take the Emmys, for example. This is when the TV world will be full of for your consideration campaigns, mm. TV appearances, roundtables, just won't be happening. Um, Obviously, there is a knock-on effect. You know, if you're if you're a crew member working, I know I spoke to someone recently who's um, they have a relative who works on some of the Disney Plus shows, and like yeah. they haven't been working because the writers strike. But now, obviously, a lot of crew members won't be working, and obviously, the Mostly ripple effect would so. exactly, and um, it has a knock-on effect, and and there is a worry that the top-level executives and studio um, bods will just try and ride it out mm. until strikers get desperate and dwindle their money and they, they will sit on their cash reserves, which is quite worrying. Um, and there's this argument that from the picket line where people have been saying that just the gap, the wage gap between the lowest paid worker in a company and their CEOs has magnified. It used to be, yeah. the CEO in the 80s used to make 30 times more and now they're saying he makes 400 times more. Yeah. So it's complicated, it's busy, and it is uh, a very interesting time. This is bigger. This is a re- this is going to have a real knock on effect. And it, it's sad because the, purely selfishly, for selfishly, obviously yeah. we all love these things. And uh, you know, like I said, very legitimate reasons that they're they're striking for. But of course, the wider picture here is that cinema has not recovered post COVID. After after you had a, you know a huge period of time when cinemas were closed, when nothing was coming out. And it's been a, been a very precarious situation. In the main episode, we talked about how Tom Cruise and Chris Nolan and Martin Scorsese are all talking about how to save cinema yeah. in their own way. And in our bonus from last week, we're talking about it's back, but in this very yes. different, consolidated... It just looked completely different than what it was before. And now we have, uh, you know, these strikes happening, and it's like, where? how is the dust going to settle on all this when all is said and done? What is going to be the aftermath post-COVID of a strike? Um, here, I'm just going to read out a quick list of TV shows and films that are going to be affected and are affected by the strike. James, The Last of Us Season 2, Euphoria Season 3, Emily in Paris Season 4, Stranger Things Season 5. Now, Stranger Things Season 5, I mean, they pushed it back a year already, so it's going to come out in 2025. That was before the actors' strike was announced, right? 
My worry is that by the time Stranger Things final season comes out, they're all going to be like 30 with kids. <laughs> they will be. And they're going to have to digitally de-age them <laughs> just to make it make sense. Um, White Lotus season three, Yellow Jacket season three, Deadpool three, Beetlejuice two, uh, Spider-Man four, which is, actually, I mean, that's a bit of a push. It's only been- what, Tom Holland's Spider-Man four. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know they're why that's been included. They're, they're, they're not shooting. They've had very preliminary talks. I guess talks. it's being written. Yeah. But that's it. You can't get yeah, kind of any meetings. Kind of, no. Gladiator two um, and Wicked, the movie. There's just some things that are- it's basically everything crazy. we pretty much were sure was being shot now. It's big, it's all the big studio stuff. But the crunch going. time is not now. The crunch time is in three months' time when studios do are running out. They're looking at their schedules for yeah. autumn and they're like, what are we going to show? In an, in a market that what increasingly are we release? demands yeah. more and more content, constant dizzying, never-ending, yeah. and all its variations. David Mitchell football meme. Yes, there you go. James, those are the strikes. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, it's picking up on other conversations we've had about the way that the industry has changed and like i was scrolling on twitter and picking out some bits from articles i saw about how the nature of measuring uh whether or not the sh a show is successful has changed and for so long in film and tv all the metrics for how successful something was was public like yeah. you had box office takings and you had tv ratings and as a whether you're a you know you're, you're a and a writer yourself or you're part of a union you could use these metrics to be like okay well if a film gets this amount of success mm. in your contract we can negotiate that therefore if it is to be this good you would then get a percentage of that yeah. we live in this new world where we have shows that are only made for streamers or we have tv shows that were made for tv and instead of getting re-aired on a tv on a tv network where they're like actually live on tv they get taken onto a streamer. Yeah. And it's very hard to measure like how much something is watched on a streamer versus how many people tuned in for that one moment in time on TV. And you've got this environment where streaming services are very opaque about their viewing figures. I think like Netflix has even been guilty of like not being accurate with their numbers. Yeah. And they're in this tight spot where they want their numbers to be high because they want people to keep giving them money. They don't want a universally agreed upon metric that mm. everyone can say, well, if my show did that, now, whoever yeah. wrote Squid Game is entitled to get this much money versus like, what if we just paid you for Squid Game and if Squid Game happens to be Squid Game, great for yeah. us, but not so great for you. Um, yeah, and then so I listened to, sorry, I, I saw a couple of things of some writers who had tweeted some of examples of how they were being paid based on work that they'd done and payouts that they'd got from streamers. Um, one person who wrote an episode of She-Hulk, this is from Cody Ziegler, said that their... Uh, check from the residuals of that was 396 dollars which like in is, total in total it. so like <laughs> you should have had a fee to get to to write the episode and then to get that amount of that doesn't buy you food for a month in america no. right and you know say what you like about she hulk a show of that caliber with yeah. that much attention that's just not yeah. enough for a writer to practically live on and then um there was uh Brittany nichols who wrote on a tv show called abbott elementary i uh, was commenting on this idea of how the next day street quote the next day streaming model has made it so there's no point in re-airing our work mm -hmm. the goal is to get people to sign up for streamers so they point people there to watch the show instead of showing showing it again on tv mm -hmm. when they re replay an episode on tv the fee they would get was like thirteen thousand dollars on streaming we get paid a flat fee for unlimited plays that fee is 5.5 percent of the re-air amount um she went on to confirm that the largest new media the largest new media bracket streaming residual check she's received was around seven hundred dollars hmm. so like again 
that, and she said she lives in Los Angeles, that doesn't get you rent. No. No. So again, it's like we have this like media has changed, how we want to consume content has changed. Uh, you've said this before about this argument that oh, there's not there's not the same amount of money that there was back in the day. There is no money to go around. Mm. But then I think Bob Iger, there's a thing about he makes seventy thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Which yeah, is ridiculous. Like, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like well, I wasn't saying there were, I wasn't saying there's less money to go around. I was just saying like the gap has widened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and again, your point that is true of unfortunately, uh, the world over, the yeah. world over, industries over, mm. the gap between the richest and the poorest, and how much CEOs make is just increasing. And I mm. think it's a, it's on the point of breaking point. We also live in a world that is because of COVID, because of war, thirty percent more expensive for basically yeah. everything, yeah. and people are not getting thirty percent more money at the end of it. And yeah, it's very it's very scary. I don't know what that looks like. Mm. Where do we get to in three, four years? Is it like what we said where we get fewer high quality shows? Mm. I think I you, you might have that kind of hiccup phase when the, when the strikes are over, like you had with things like Quantum of Solace, where things are kind of stitched back together. You get truncated yeah. series, you get series half that, series, half series, you get series that don't return. You get things that um, are kind of chopped up. I'm also thinking about it, the knock-on effect because it's an international market. Yes, yeah. you know, a lot of American talent these are all, you know, predominantly American actors, but they work across, you know, the UK is a huge production house for um, movies, oh, international yeah. blockbuster movies. It's one of our ex- and great exports. Absolutely. And a lot industry. of British actors, like even like Emily Blunt, as we saw with they are SAG members. Yeah. So it's not like they can hop across the pond and work here. No. So actually the shutdown the is, is much Hollywood, wider. Hollywood has a slice in something you're making. It's, yeah, very, exactly, it's quite yeah. rare unless you're really independent on yeah. the scale. Like usually Hollywood is usually involved in some sense. Um, so, the, yeah, and, and, and it's, I think it is one of those things that's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. I don't see a quick resolution from my limited, you know, uh, reading about it. I'm not, like I said, yeah. we're not industry ex- insiders. Um, but it is... It is, it, it's people are watching this, not only because people are watching this and are interested in this because it is, as we're saying, a debate that is happening across sectors, but being played out with the best cast in the world. Yeah, like in, in the <laughs> UK, is, like we live in London, there yeah. are literally strikes several times a month. Yes. Whether it's transport strikes, healthcare, yeah. it, it's constant, right? Now imagine, it's actually hard yeah. to follow. But now imagine if you had those strikes, but you had and Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Sarandon and Jason Sudeikis <laughs> yeah. were on the picket line. Yeah, yeah. I'd watch that strike. Yeah, yeah, and they're reporting from it on the red carpet of their <laughs> yeah. like gorgeous new movie. And yeah, like it's weird because like, obviously all the actors are being asked to comment on it, but really it's not about them. Like I don't, I'm not no. worried about Killian Murphy. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's what these actors yeah. say. And a lot of these actors do are genuinely concerned about you know their crews. Yeah. And what's going to happen? Obviously, if production picks up in six months' time, yeah. they say a lot of people you can't get back because a lot of people had to. Just had to quit their jobs. Yeah, and move, yeah. move. You get a depleted industry. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the very, very top wealthy actors, directors setting up funds for yeah. to support striking, uh, to support strikers. Or and like a Nolan crews. situation where, like, I don't know if I'm saying Nolan does this, but he self funds his films. Like, mm. I think he put 82 million pounds of his own money to yeah. make Oppenheimer, just so no one can tell him yeah. how to make it. It's like him and his wife yeah. make a film. But like, I mean, I can tell you what's going to happen. This is what always happens: is that typically. The people at the top aren't going to give up their slice. We will be expected to pay more for our content. It, this cost, the cost of, gets passed down if, to the consumer. If we do reach a, yeah. you know, there are these new ways to measure the success yeah. of writers and actors in a streaming service. Like, let's imagine that all of it becomes transparent, and these new agreements in AI is they get the servers and throw them in the ocean, and everyone's yeah. happy and singing. Like it will just be that your 
full fat Netflix is what, like twenty pounds a month now? Basically. Full fat Netflix. Uh, I thought it was like seven dollars, maybe twenty dollars a month. 20, yeah, maybe you're right. Fifty ninety nine. Like I would, ex- I would expect that within two three years to go up by ten dollars. Like everything else is. Like everything else. I, I do. I and don't that's see... also, and that's when the crunch comes with people finally also even more going. All right, I need to cut some of these streamers. Well, yeah. what, and and you're, now there was a year where you didn't make any content and there's going to be this like yeah. breath and the content that is going to come out might, might be, be shit. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's not good. It's not good for art. No, Maybe yeah. like if we're being really optimistic, it encourages every platform, distributor, every yeah. network to go, hang on, like, let's be really careful about what we commission. Let's make yeah. sure it is the best thing possible and the people working on it yeah. are fairly paid for the work that they do. And let's make sure, yeah, we work with respect and kindness yeah. and appropriateness. <laughs> uh, but that's an interesting lay of the lad. Uh, It'd be uh, interesting I, to see how it develops. Yeah, to watch this, to watch this uh, carry on, really. Um, but sad. But sad, you know, you, we hope for a resolution. Um, those are the strikes. You also listed some really good TV shows and films that are being made. Like, I don't want a White Lotus to be... I mean, James, you can use this as an opportunity to catch up all the, all the stuff you haven't That's seen true. yet. Not- I've often fantasized about what if the world released nothing for a year. Did we have this no, conversation? No, we talked about... I, I thought I told you this, where I, yeah, I said that... Yeah, I've thought about it too. Chris but. Hewitt from Empire Magazine in 2019 was like, oh, I love that. There's so much great stuff out at the moment. But, you know, I just kind of wish... Yeah. There was like a year where Nothing. the film and TV industry didn't make anything. Yeah. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and it was like, you got it, Chris. <laughs> you got it. Um, for just for the record, we're not saying we're glad that the strike is on so we can catch up on stuff. No, it was no, just, no, no, it's no, just no. a flippant joke. A very flippant joke. Um, yes, that is the strike. If you have any opinions, thoughts about the strike or any insight, perhaps you work in the industry and would like to share, share some experiences, we'd love to hear your thoughts and, and, and your take on it and uh, where you think this will go. And you know how you do that? Email them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Some of our listeners are industry, most of them UK, but if you guys are industry and this is affecting you, like, we, well, absolutely, we'd love to hear about your thoughts on it, what conversations you had, where we, you stand on the whole thing and how I, it's affecting your work. Absolutely. I won't, uh, I won't name them uh, in case they don't want to be named, but we, we have one listener who writes in from LA and works, yeah. in, works as in, in set and design uh, yeah. out there, so they'll be affected by this. That's the strikes. We'll see where it goes. We will be following it closely. Intermittently. <laughs> Intermittently. I said well, closely. I don't think we'll cover it every week. Oh, no, we're not, no, we're not, no, we're not going to yeah. cover it every week. We don't have the resources to do that, James. Yeah. We're not Variety or this Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> um, but we shall watch this space very carefully. Guys, don't forget we post new full episodes of the show every single Wednesday. So don't forget to join us for those. It'll be Barbie and Oppenheimer next oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Big uh, stuff. Very excited for that. Very and excited. as ever, keep an eye on social media. Give us a like, a subscribe, a follow, and a thumbs up. Does that mean that, like, sorry, I know we just done the outro. Does that mean that the promo for Barbie would have stopped now? Yes. Not it's all gone. Well, so they managed to do it. Just it completed it just in time. Those are the like, Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer, last one's through the door. What else is next this month that's going to be screwed by? Just in terms of purely promotion. So you've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yep, none of this stuff's. Gran Turismo, Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Blue Beetle. Equalizer 3. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>